You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Yep, I do have. Oh, uh, we are recording. I hit the record button, so we're jumping oh. into this. Ready or not, here we go. Yeah, well, welcome back, guys. And uh, it's a, another Land and Legacy podcast, and Adam and Matt are here. Matt, you over there? I'm I'm present and I'm ready for um, I'm ready for this podcast. It's not a late night podcast. Uh, we're taking time out of the middle of the day to speak fresh minds and and deliver hopefully a good clear message about um, some some cool topics. I think that people are going to really it's going to help them and their future developments of farms and understanding of um, ways to work with contractors on a property that's right that's right because you know uh a little update on the per uh on our farm the 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 family farm and the farm that chat whistling woodlands i guess i did I was just saying, I, come on throw that name out there yeah whistling <laughs> woodlands uh over on the whistling woodlands um farm we uh we've got a logging crew in and right. um you know Probably three years ago, we had the same logging crew in there, and three, and I guess maybe two to three years ago, probably the whole two to three years, they were there, and they cut a, a large, they cut a good amount of, of ground, um, and they came back now to cut the rest, and so it's a very exciting for Chad and I to uh, hear those machines running because they're actually on parts of the farm now that haven't been cut in a lot of years. And um, they're in kind of the heart of the property. Like, uh, there's going to be some major changes occurring. And, you know, as we've shared, this property doesn't have great timber value. So we're going to highlight some of the tips and tricks we used to make the logger happy, entice a logger in, 
as well as make this um, a phenomenal hunting property and uh, habitat in southern Missouri. That's right. I, you you have to be, let's say, all, all conscious of all the different aspects of what makes a logger work, what makes um, the markets go, and distances to mills and just the current state of a logging industry to make you money at the same time as getting truthfully like a, a wildlife um, type harvest accomplished on a property. And it's not just like at the convenience or will of every single logger that's going to bend over, let's say backwards to accomplish those. Sometimes you got to be willing to wait um either your turn or wait for the market to get right to be able to um, have that logger come in and do that. It's just got to make economical sense for everyone involved to accomplish it. So it is, it's cool time for, for me sitting back and watching it happen for you guys, honestly, because I'm familiar with the property, um, the, the ideas, the plan, long term has been being painted for for years and it's really neat to be able to like we always dream i think adam if if you will of like or or we just see properties five ten years from now and i think it's almost to like a fault it's hard to see things sometimes um it's like like get them ingrained and like the consistency of what they are um, it's like, it's like kind of like, we're always trying to move the ball forward. Some instead of sometimes just like enjoying a place, it's always like, what's next? What's the next move? How do we get there? What is it going to look like? Like, that's just the way our minds work, like in this transformative way, yeah. but it's, and, and sometimes that can kind of be frustrating because you might be waiting on a logger. You might be waiting on the weather to burn this one unit, you know, time and all these different factors. But but now it's like go time. And yeah. you guys have been rock and roll and you're moving right from one big project, the fencing, this spring and summer, right into a, a large timber operation that is going to change and put into place some of the major features that you've been thinking about for years. That's right. Years and years and years. And it's, and it's going to change and be different for, you know, however long you guys own that place. It's, it's going to be maintained with those features or, or some variation of them for a really long time. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's one of those, you mentioned the fencing, which has been just really just consuming my time over the last, I don't know, three months um, where we've really been building it. And, you know, as we said several podcasts ago, when it comes to this farm, the three main things that Chad and I asked each other, like, okay, what are three the three top things that we could do to improve this farm for wildlife? Fencing out the woods for the cows so they weren't up in the timber and they weren't just and getting them more in a confined rotational grazing type pattern where they're not uh, getting into some of our natural landscapes or native ecosystems like the glades um, or the that, woods. 
that aren't or that are in a process of being rehabbed or repaired yep. and not not ready for any type of grazing operation. Yep. And so um, there's that, and then there is uh, um, logging. And so, like, a big part of this farm was logged. I guess it was kind of sporadic, but I would say half the farm or just under half the farm was logged back in, yeah, probably not even half, probably more like three-eighths was logged. And now we're getting into mainly the heart of the property, and we're logging about probably close to 200 acres um, is is kind of looked at as being logged. And so, um, you know, that's a large operation and, uh, it's really, you know, hasn't been logged in years because it's really hard to get to it, but we found a logger who's willing to do it and has the machinery and has the, I guess the grr to want to climb down those hills and get after it. And, uh, you know, timber prices are really good right now. And, Seems like God's timing was perfect for Chad and I at getting this logged with high lumber prices. Yeah, no, that and that's that's really what kind of makes um, makes the world go round. You know, I mean, you, you've got such a you know, two hundred acres. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that when you log it and and log it to the intensity and and specifications that you guys are, that it is as uh, let's say rewarding at the end from a monetary standpoint because really you're going to do this once you're going to do it one time and and it makes sense to do it where pricing is is about the best that it can be well when you say once i will explain why i'm thinking maybe a little bit different in that in that standpoint but to this degree of a logging yes once to this degree yeah this degree initial it's it's you're getting it into shape. Are you managing it in a such in, in certain areas that you're gonna have other logging operations in your lifetime? Hundred percent, totally. But probably to this degree may not may not happen again. No. And and, and the problem is because this farm is in such bad shape, um, years of mismanagement that um we're really just trying to have to really give it a facelift. And this facelift is pretty aggressive, and it mm-hmm. would probably shock a lot of people. But um, really, I'm I'm over the moon thrilled that this is happening because now you know when you buy a farm, you hope okay, I just want to I want to learn the farm, I want to get things figured out, and it's like this ongoing process. Well, I know what to do, I know how to do it. Having the time or the manpower or the schedules lining up to get it done has always been the issue. And now that we own the farm and the loggers itching to get in there, um, we got the fencing done. Like things are really coming together and it's like, whoa, we may not have to wait very long to see this place just blow up. Yeah. And I I think um, to to specify, you said that the farm had been mismanaged for so long. Yeah. I, I so just for everyone listening, I guess to yeah. clarify, when you say mismanaged, uh-huh. you what you mean is really not managed. And, yeah. I, and the reason I specify that is because there's a lot of people who are sitting in the same boat saying, well, I haven't done anything with the timber or maybe I got the farm and nothing's been done there for such a long time. 
in in depending on the previous practices that can be a good thing or a bad thing but a lot of times it's not a good thing um and, and so you whoever's listening might be thinking that they're in the exact same boat of man it's just been mismanaged or not managed and to think of well i i think i'm just going to have a logging operation that goes in and and um, we're just going to cut just, you know, a little bit here and there. Well, maybe that's not the best prescription. Maybe because it's been sitting so long without any work done, you really need to think bigger scale and think, how do I really knock this thing back into shape and try and counteract maybe 15, 20 years of high stem counts, poor growth rates, no fire, no herbicide treatments on trees. How do I try to get it back into shape quickly to accomplish whatever goals you may have? And a lot of times the, the, the prescription might need to be more intense than it needs to be light. And I think that's a, that's a tough thing to get to for a lot of people because they're worried about what does it going to, what is it going to look like? They've never done a timber operation. So like yeah. for a second, how, how did, Obviously, over the years, I'll say kind of what the timber looked like. But so imagine a 300 acre chunk of timber that's that's on this farm that that had no openings, straight closed canopy forest. That's it for 300 acres. And you guys know how much we hate closed canopy forest. So that was, uh, you know, up until 2018. And then we had three food plots put in that were roughly five and a half to five and three quarters acres total. So all under two acre food plots. Um, That's it. And you can see those on satellite image where they're just, you know, you can see them blatantly obvious because it's just a sea, a closed canopy, dense forest all around it. What the management looked like or management lack thereof um, from the 80s to probably the early 2000s was there was some sort of logging that had occurred, but only on the ridge tops. It may have even been back to the 60s or 70s. And they cut the ridge tops very hard. But they did not do any follow up TSI, and they didn't hardly cut the slopes a whole lot. And so what you had was stump sprouts, triple trunk trees, quadruple, quadruple trunk trees everywhere. And lots of black oaks. And one thing that's kind of ironic whenever we look at um, some areas that have been logged previously. um, Oh, goodness. Back two, three years ago, first place they logged, and then Chad did heavy TSI, and we've been burning. We recently, I think I shared this maybe last week, but in case you missed it, I'll share it again. But a lot of trees that were left. And they got blown over in a, in a storm. And those trees are hollow. They're just they're just mush on the inside. They're not healthy trees. And that's exactly what we're seeing here uh, in all this in all this forest is they're just not healthy trees. And unfortunately, when you don't have uh, healthy trees and you you've stacked them in there, most of them are unhealthy. So we're in the stage, especially with the black oaks, that they're we can either make a little money on them now or we're going to sit there and let them fall and make us zero dollars. And so we're like, let's cut them now while we can still make some money. And, and basically 
what what I look at it as right now when it, when you look at our farm is we're taking the paddles like you see in the movies and uh, we're rubbing them together and we're putting them on the chest and we're saying clear cuckoo clear cuckoo yeah. and we're just trying to shock this back and you know how on on every show that they do the first time and it fails they do the second time it fails and it seems like they have to go all the way and they're like turn it all the way up and it's like if he doesn't if it doesn't come alive right now it's he's dead or she's dead on the, in the movies and we're basically turning it all the way up rubbing the paddles together and it's our last bit of hope to say let's bring it back to life and it's like koof and that's what this this uh this logging operation that's what that's going to be and and this is the point that everyone's thinking who's listening wait so you're telling me this farm is headed in or or was headed before being intervened into just a bad direction of timber, you know, closed canopy. But wait a second, haven't you guys had success hunting? Hasn't there been a, a you know, a really big deer? Hasn't there been a, a couple really nice deer killed? And hasn't there been, you know, turkeys and turkeys rebounding and all this such? And And the answer is, yeah, there has been that. Like there still has been some success. And, and this is the, I think where the rubber meets the road is you can, and, and, and a lot of people find themselves in this boat. They are looking and staring at a degrading landscape or, or habitat um, or, pl- you know, plant communities are going away from a direction of positive for wildlife, but we don't always see that represented in the actual wildlife populations to a, to a to a degree because we're surrounded and see such degraded habitat and landscapes that there's so many people who are sitting in this boat not knowing that they're going downhill and that they need to shock the system as well but hopefully through this project that you guys are doing incorporating they're going to be able to follow along and see that, holy cow, even this property that, that's had success in the last couple of years from, from harvesting deer, seeing turkeys, killing turkeys, and then just being a, a recreational property, now I get it. Like Now I see with this intense change of knocking it back into shape that that's the degree that they're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's it's that big of a change that needs to happen and it's so difficult sometimes to be able to you know educate to to that degree um of people because again we see decent turkey populations you know and and some rebounding and and then you see some big deer (laughs) and it's like wait can it be that bad and it's like yeah they can still be present there yeah yeah, for for example, when you take the back part of this farm, the northwest part where it's just, even if you zoom out higher and you see the overall neighborhood, it's a part of a, a huge track of timber. Um, I'm on Onyx now, and I'll just give kind of, I'll go from field to field and just try to figure out exactly how many, how many acres of just dense forest we're talking um, that the the closest you get i mean we're going from field to field and i'm talking like actual pasture yep. and this whole piece of uh 
of ground. So it's a it's a rather large chunk of timber, and it's all relatively the same. Nobody nobody's been logging around us, and uh, except for way way up north of us, and they didn't do any follow up work. So it's kind of grown back up into nothing but tall briars, Himalayan blackberry. Um, but when I when I do all that, we're part of about a thousand acres of straight timber. Um, and you know, that's a, a, a large complex yeah. that, that is so easy to beat and so easy to outmanage. It's like, it's not even funny. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to win that game. Yeah. And I took, you know, um, I took the drone up yesterday and you could see Good. the clear line of where had been logged and where has not been logged yet. Um, mm-hmm. based on two years of growth from it. You can just see like a much more rugged-looking line of treetops versus the smooth, all about the same like you see in, in what most of this landscape is. And my point in that, there's about 1,000 acres of closed canopy. You don't see turkeys up in there uh, as the spring progresses. They move down. They move out because there's no food in that understory. Uh, the acorn acorns are gone. The uh, undergrowth has not grown because it's too shaded. It's just nothing but leaves and sticks where a turkey's trying to make its living. So there's very few insects, and so they just don't make it very well. And uh, we're trying to change that. So a lot of these big ridges, we're trying to convert them to more open, meadowish. Um, we're not even going to tr- plant them in food plots. We're just going to try to have them be um, open and have diverse natives on top and see what happens. And, you know, Matt, uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. The South Saddle tree stand that we love, that we've hunted so much, and we think that oh, it's yeah. just awesome. The point to the kind of east of that, or southeast yep. of that, um, Ch- Chad brought up the idea, and I was like, love it, let's do it. We're, we're going to clear cut that. So any any income that can be made for the logger on top is getting cut. Um and then we're going to start, when we're doing prescribed fire, we're going to ring it. And we're just going yeah. to ring that top and send hot fires and try to basically open up that whole top to where it's it's like a tabletop ridge. Um, mm-hmm. And it's only, I don't know, half to three quarters of an acre yeah. on top. It's like 70 yards across. And so, uh, you know, I think when we're doing that, it's only going to add more and more just go back to the series with dr mike chamberlain and brett collier um and their turkey research like that's one of the big things they'd be looking to do is try to open up more of the timber and burn the timber and try to create more disturbance to where we have more insects we have more plants we have more seeds we have more herbaceous understory and that's that's what we're shooting for well and i think that this is the this is the point in the podcast where people really like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to be doing things beyond just like cutting some timber, right? This is, this is things like creating, uh, the, 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 I don't know. They're not a bedding thicket, right? It's just, it's just a herbaceous opening. So the follow-up management after a clear cut situation, like you just outlined on that yep. one point, is 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 much different you're burning yeah. much hotter you might need to be applying some herbicide we're, we're going to, to be applying a lot of herbicide um stumps to reduce woody regrowth yep it's not a high stem count area it's trying just to be much more herbaceous and like 
I don't want to say like who does that, but that's not a typical prescription in a lot of uh, practices. Like this is just phase one of trying to accomplish that. And you're just utilizing the logging to try and fragment the forest and take this thousand acre chunk and say, okay, the 200, 300 that you guys are working on, it's not going to be, it's not going to remain just a timber property. Like, sure, that's a resource that's available, but again, it doesn't always have to stay in timber. And Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of what you guys are doing, taking chunks and other uh, slope aspects and diversifying them with first initially cutting them aggressive and then changing the prescription down the road. Yeah. And so we've got a couple different things that I want to point out on this podcast, but uh, I'll just bring up the question. How many of our listeners, I want you to think back to your farm now, think about, you know, you have timber and you're like, I need to get a logger in here. I'd like to get a logger in here. And you've heard the phrase, you don't have enough timber value or um, it's not worth the logger's time or and they they could come and do it, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a little while because you don't rank very high. And then the fourth thing being, yeah, we could come and do it, but it might take we might have to cut a little bit more aggressive than you might want, or that what you've told me from the start because it's got to be worth our time. And so many of our clients hear that line. And I even heard it on this farm, so I, I can certainly relate to you guys. But I've used that to my advantage in looking at it from a habitat standpoint. And, you know, I have a client um, that I worked with this spring that he bought a farm that had been cut very hard. And he talked about it being cut so hard. He goes, when I when you come to my place... You know, I don't think you're going to be, I don't think my place is the one where you're going to say you need to cut some timber. And I was like, really? Interesting. I guess I'll be the judge of that. And I got there and I was like, you're going to be cutting some timber. (laughs) Because his place was that typical real estate listing where it's just like, this has been hammered and shoot me a price. And you can, you can acquire a lot of acres. And the one thing he has going for him that most people don't is he's already done the damage or the previous landowner did the damage. Now he just gets to hold it at bay and keep it very productive. Because as I told him, I said, most people logging don't cut it enough. And they say, we, we got it logged, but within five years, it was all closed back up. And that's yes. because we yeah. don't cut it. We're like, yeah, there's a cringe factor. There's this, I want to cut because I know the benefit to it. But I don't want to cut too much because it's. I'm afraid I'm. I'm harming the forest. And I've got news for you guys. One of the most harmful things that most of us are doing to our our forest is not cutting trees and not having active timber cutting going on. We're yeah. we're preserving our forest to death. We're allowing them to be stressed, disease ridden, and overall unhealthy. And I'm tired of looking at unhealthy forests, and it hurts even worse being on my own farm. And so we're changing that. And when you look at, like Matt said, we've got a couple different clear-cut types. So to give you guys an idea what what we took, we heard the number four, the fourth thing that I listed out. I can do it, but I might have to cut a little bit more aggressive to make it worth my time. I took that as like, 
I'm not surprised by that. From a business yeah. standpoint, everything has to be worth it. And it has to make financial sense. And so I'm like, I, I hear you. And I'm not a guy that's going to come and bark at you and be like, you're cutting too much. You're making this look ugly. Now I will if they're clear-cutting the entire place. But as long as you're cutting trees and diversifying the forest and causing a disturbance, I'm going to get on board with it. So what we did was we went to the drawing board and we said, okay, let's look at the topo map and let's identify south and west-facing slopes. Because based on historical evidence and plant communities that are still there, even though it's kind of remnant, um, they're, they're, they they're should be open. They're on life support. This is yeah. what you're shocking the system for is to get these things back. Yeah. When you look at this one west-facing slope that's got a ton of low-bush blueberry on it, and you're like, this should be more open. It's got dotted um, echinacea or cone flowers through, uh, some some milkweed kind of dotted through. You're like, this should be more open. Little clumps of little blue stem. And you're like, this should be more open. So we basically highlighted, gave these loggers a map, um, working on getting them an Onyx subscription as well. And they're going to be able to look at these, okay, west-facing slope. And I pretty much told them, treat it as a seed tree cut. So we're trying to identify one tree, one large tree within, you know, it's it's so, it just kind of depends, but... Every 50 yards, maybe one tree that's left, everything else they can cut if they want it. So what is that going to look like when they're done? We're going to see a few dotted trees and a whole lot of trees that weren't quite scrag or paper quality or pulp wood cut. Um, A lot of younger stuff. Um, And I'll explain here coming up what that's going to, what the follow-up is going to be. So they're getting to cut our south and west facing slopes pretty aggressive um now what's another thing black oaks is a very common tree for us uh in this part of the world and black oaks are not long lasting trees they don't live forever they're not like a white oak that could live three four hundred years old they could make it to 120 and that's about it and they grow pretty quickly um but they tend to get hollow as a gourd and and fall over or they make it and Doty is, is, is one of the words, like the really soft centers. Yeah, they almost turns into just a kind of a mushy. Uh, so do, if you're not familiar, that's what we call it is doty. Um, and so you, you can tell that by cutting a tree or let's just say one of your big oaks falls over on your farm and you're cutting it up for firewood. Is the center more like a, is it hard to count the rings? Is it hard to really see what's going on because it just kind of looks very rough uh, that's doty and so a lot of our black oaks show signs of stress and and are doty and if we don't cut them now we're we're going to have a bunch of trees laying in the forest that are never going to be uh, making us money or producing any more acorns so um, we're allowing them to get really aggressive on the black oaks and so we're we've taken south slopes, west slopes, and now areas of black oaks, which is a, pretty much everywhere, but really a lot of north slopes and east slopes have black oaks. Um, and there you go. There's another way. And then finally, we have two ways we're going to do this. Ne- three ways we're going to do this next one. 
And we've identified areas for clear cuts that are basically anything they want, cut it. And it could range from one acre to five acres. In, in, in predetermined locations, that's the key point. And areas that you guys want the clear cuts to be. That's right. Have at it. It's yep. not just that they get to pick where that's at to, you know, meet a certain um, quota, uh, you know, get their fill, let's say, of timber. It's no, it's pre-planned. It's set on a map. And where flagged that's out. And flagged right. out. So once you get in between the pink ribbons, have at it, boys. Do what you want. And so they're going to clear cut. And, and, you know, everybody down south or even a lot of places that have heavy timber operations, they know the term clear cut. But what they see in a clear cut is 40 to 100 acres or 200 acres. And they're like, I don't like clear cuts. Well, we know how beneficial they are to wildlife. Shrink them down. And now we have the ability to lay a two-acre clear cut out and then hunt the downwind side during the rut and be pretty defined hunting, an amazing hunting location. So once again... We're letting the logger get more aggressive in predetermined, pre-flagged areas to where it's like, wow, this is really um, kind of a win-win relationship. The logger is getting to cut more aggressive, so they're making more money. Therefore, I'm making more money. And we're not doing anything that's harmful because we're diversifying the forest. We're adding disturbance. And so a lot of these clear cuts, I have three different types. I got a clear cut that then will return and start hinge cutting and and uh, then also flush cutting a lot of the trees that were left. Like maybe mid-story, small hickories, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and then we'll do another clear cut, and they're going to treat it the same way. They're doing the same thing. Anything that's got value, they're cutting it. And then, this, so the second scenario is we're going to go in there and cut all the trees that were left, haul them out for firewood, and treat all the stumps and try to turn this into a little meadow of native species that are already in the seed bank. So, you know, it could be a half acre, could be an acre, that is just going to be more of like a, just an opening that gets burned every three years. So you want to talk about a place to find uh, some brood-rearing habitat, that's going to be a really good place, um, you know, the first two years after the fire. And so I'm looking, that's probably the thing I'm, one of the things I'm most excited about is we're going to talk about opening it up and having more and more open, open ground, uh, in what was once just complete forest. And then the third thing for this clear cut is they're going to cut it out and then we'll go in with a stump grinder and grind up the stumps that were left and turn it into food plot. Wonderful. So here's, here's where I think a lot of people uh, oh gosh, they, they, they fall into, I want to say a, a, just a trap. They hear the thought or the, the phrase from the logger, well, we're going to have to get a little bit more aggressive and, and they don't say where to get aggressive. And so what happens is that logger then makes that decision. And so a lot of the better trees, like let, let's just say you, you wanted to thin the, thin the stand, 30, 40%. Well, they have to actually take it to more of a 50% and, and they're leaving less valuable trees. And the ones that they're taking to make up that extra is the better trees across the entire property to accomplish it rather than doing what you just proposed and saying, take what you want 
out of these areas, the clear cut areas, you don't have to find, you know, I'm, I'm going to have accomplished what I want of a thinning to whatever degree in the remainder of the areas. But here's where you make more money. It's, it's a little bit easier because you don't have to, all, all your logs are right here and drop everything if yeah. you want it. It's yours. Um, so what, what I guess at the end of the day is the two scenarios play out. You have, again, a fragmentation across the property of the various types of clear cutting that would go and then the follow-up practices and you're getting the thinning that you want opposed to just a, a more aggressive thinning across the whole property where less valuable trees remain as your retention trees and the higher quality ones were hauled out. That's right. And I think this is where the podcast, like the, the value of talking about this right now, hopefully just clicked for people. It's like, that's how you intercede as a landowner and say, I, I want my cake and I want to eat it too a little bit, but you have to be okay with being more aggressive in certain areas and, and knowing that not everything, again, that is timber now has to remain that way. That's right. It's probably, it's probably better <laughs> that it doesn't. And, and you can't grow the type of plant communities that, that you're wanting to in this meadow situation. You can't grow that to the same degree in a for in a thin forest. So if no. you if you know that there's value there and it's a lacking or a limited resource, maybe you should be a little more open minded to accomplish that same type of task on your own property. Yeah. Don't just take it for what it is. Change it. Okay. Yep. That's uh that's really what we're um that's what we're most excited about. You know, the food plots are great. They're a phenomenal hunting tool. And we're going to add, I don't know how many exactly. It looks like definitely one. We're expanding some of them. The three main ones, we're taking two of them and expanding. And then we're putting a really, you know, a four to six acre one in the center that's really the loading dock right now. So it may take a little while to get the soil amended correctly and get it cleaned up. But um, it's a big flat portion of a, of a ridge. Um, and then the others are going to get cleaned off. And then I got one more I will add. Um, are you going to have some areas like that, the bigger one or portions that you're expanding that will, that some will be, some of that expansion will be food plot, but also some of it will be this herbaceous. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of them, of the two in one opening. One of them almost kind of looks like a rubber ducky uh, shape with a bigger bill, almost yeah. a rubber ducky with a big with a big adult beak on it. Um, that one is we're expanding it to the northwest and the southeast, and the northwest will be expansion of food plot, and the southeast will be one of these little open meadows. And you know, Matt, that's Paradise Point, and mm-hmm. you know when we're talking. T- when we're talking um, turkeys on that farm, Paradise Point is a phenomenal spot for turkeys, um, uh, it's and a, so it's, it's only going to get, get better. But you know, that's yeah. the point of this podcast is to to maybe hopefully help some people with the idea that you can have, you can use what we know, the information we give you each week, and go okay. You know, I might have to get pretty creative and get in a logger here. Well, as long as you have some forethought, they can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. 
Chad yeah. and I, if if the loggers weren't willing to come in here and do it, we'd have to go in and cut all that ourselves and just leave that timber on the ground. Uh, because that, our goals is diversify cool. the forest. So we're we're having the ability to make money, do a lot of heavy lifting while we're making money, and then return, and we'll do follow-up TSI afterwards. Um, and so, guys, if you're considering a logging operation and you hear these words from the logger, you know maybe that's a good time not to do a sales pitch, but it's probably worth your time to have us on the farm to say this is where you need your your clear cuts. This is where you do your little meadows. And all of a sudden the logger's like, I can do that. And you know, if, if you're giving me, I think Chad and I is somewhere around 20 to 25 acres is going to be clear cut in about Mm -hmm. 12 to 13 different cuts. Um, so, you know, you can real quick figure out that there's not any of them that are huge or any of them that are tiny. They're all going to be pretty, pretty good size and, and be very adequate to, hold bedded deer to provide plenty of forage, you know, provide a limited resource, which is woody browse right now. Um, and so quickly we're going to change this place for the good and, and hopefully turkeys deer will greatly benefit from it. Well, and, and it's not, it's not just the fact that there are clear cuts and openings going into that's going in, in addition to the thinnings, the more aggressive thinnings like the seed tree, um, cut you guys talked about on south and west facing slopes too. So it's it's a combination of we're not just stopping at having some of these clear cuts. It's everything else will be thinned and feathered as well. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I'd say give us three years, four years, and a lot of the the logging will be done, and then the TSI. Hopefully, the logging will be done by by winter time, um, weather yep. dependent. And, um, wait, so you're, you're having loggers in during deer season? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. It's a very question. Somebody asked about you cutting in your bedding thicket this time of the year. Is that ideal? Yeah. And it's like any time is ideal because if you waited till it was ideal middle of the winter, you're going to spend a whole nother hunting season, which you, this is going to be your first year hunting anyway. So, but right. why would you waste a year knowing that? You might lose a little bit of the benefit, but overall you're gaining huge amount of benefit because you cut it in July, not in, not waiting till January. Well, and, and in your situation, why would you want your trees to continue to degrade yeah. over more time? Although it might be somewhat of a dormant season. Why do you, why do you still want that? And, and, and a logger, everybody wants them to cut after deer season. Like that, that's one of the most uh, yeah. requested time frames. And like, because everything's frozen, leaves are off the trees, they're not pushing sap, not as much damage on the tree. But at the same time, you have it can get muddier a lot quicker in January uh-huh. than it can in July and August. So that's one of the is big this, benefits to us is like it's dry. Like let's get in there and do it right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's no better time than the present to start making improvements and transform a property that was headed – um, in, in, a, in a rough direction with with no, let's say, change in sight until ownership changed um, yep. to, to a great a, a yep. greater degree. So, so no, I'm, I'm excited to follow along and hope you guys will be picture, uh, posting some pictures. And um, I know there'll be more updates as the uh, as the logging operation continues and really gets cranking um, yep. there. But trees are dropping. Yep. 
they're dropping. So, guys, uh, if you got any questions, shoot us a message at Land and Legacy on Facebook or Instagram or an email at info at landandlegacy.tv. But other, other than that, we'll be continuing to keep you updated on this process and uh, already have a couple good deer on camera. So it's yeah. going to be a, it'll be an interesting fall, that's for sure. I've got a skitter coming here for a small walnut job next week. So awesome. It'll be much different degrees and much different um, what you're trying to accomplish. But at the same time, this is the, this is the value of working with crews and logging operations, accomplishing quality habitat through forestry practices. That's right. So appreciate everyone listening this week. Yeah.